your children, you know, when they're little, because y'all are yes. wild as hell. <laughs> Unconventional parenting tactics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, really, but mine is not unconventional. Mine is everybody does this. Yeah. Mine, mine's more unconventional. Fucking wild. Don't yeah. make no sense. Um, what are we drinking? We are drinking the bedtime story, and I am batching this up by the picture. So, if you want to make this... You're going to need two and a quarter cups of white rum, one and an eighth cup of Midori, one and an eighth cup of Amaretto, six and three quarters cups of pineapple juice, and two and a quarter cups of grapefruit juice. And that's going to make you close to a gallon of some delicious, boozy awesomeness. And for our European friends who use the, uh, like, Dewey Decimal System or whatever, <laughs> fuck you. You're going to have to use Google to translate because I'm not doing all that. I don't um, know, I don't I know, how, many gram, I don't know how many grams of alcohol that was. It was a lot. It, I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot of grams of alcohol in here. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot. Of it alcohol. does not taste very good. I it taste, does taste good. I taste nothing but banana, and there is no banana in here, which is... <laughs> makes me feel weird. Like, why am I tasting banana? I actually added strawberry apricot Red Bull to mine, and it is very good. So, take that as I'm well. unappreciated. I mean, no, we appreciate it that you tried, but it is. I just taste banana. I like That's all I taste. I like it. I think it's very sweet, but I Matt, like it. I, there's no sweetness here at all. It tastes very sour and very fucking banana y. I didn't get any sour out of it. No, really? it doesn't taste but sour at all. I also no. didn't get any sweet. It's like, bland like, as fuck, right? It's bland as fuck, and it just tastes like bananas. My drinks are bland as fuck, ladies and gentlemen. It, it tastes like if you rub artificial banana flavor on your tongue. And then followed that up by rubbing it without rubbing alcohol. Y'all make go first. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> uh, I did just fucking nursery rhymes because nursery rhymes are fucking weird as hell. I did Mary, Mary, quite contrary, which I don't know. Everybody knows the words of this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow with silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row? Well, apparently. This is about, and I, and I wrote Mary one because I'm an idiot, so I guess it's Mary the first from England, um, aka Bloody Mary. Okay, yeah. Um, so they say that in this poem, it's about Bloody Mary. The silver bell, bells and cockle shells refer to torture devices, and the maids, the pretty maids all in a row, uh-huh. refer to early guillotines, which were actually called maidens back then. Which, I know the Iron Maiden is a thing, but uh-huh. that's not guillotine-related. But apparently, well, way back, I guess even before the Iron Maiden, early guillotines were called Maidens. Oh, that's neat. I didn't so know So now that. read it again, <laughs> pretending like you're Bloody Mary. That's fucking wild. It would be crazy. 
The next one is Three Blind Mice. This one is also attributed to Bloody Mary. Um, the mice supposedly represent the Protestant loyalists that she uncovered and sentenced to death. So, like, y'all know I'm not a history person or whatever. But apparently her whole thing was she hated Protestants. Right. And she was just like, you're a Protestant, you're fucking dying. Yeah. So the, the blind mice are the Protestants and whatever. The next one I got is Rub-A-Dub-Dub, which <laughs> I actually do not know this one. I'm going to read it to y'all the way that I found it when I... Okay. I know part of it, but not all of it. But it goes, hey, Rub-A-Dub-Ho... <laughs> rub a dub three maids in a tub and who do you think were there the butcher the baker the candlestick maker and all of them gone to the fair i know so that's vaguely familiar well the butcher the baker the, the, <laughs> the only thing i know from rub a dub dub is wherever the hell this came from rub a dub dub thanks for the grub yay god so i don't remember this whole first part i do remember the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker yeah, from something. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's from this. Apparently this one is about how rep respectable tradesmen went to peep shows. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Rub a dub, ho. <laughs> I know we're hoes back. <laughs> I don't understand it. Rub a dub, ho. <laughs> um, then we have Rockabye Baby. Um, some, apparently this is one of the ones which uh, several of them have. Apparently there are historians where their whole job, all they do is old ass nursery rhymes and, you know, I can whatever. believe that, yeah, yeah. So there's several different ones for Rockabye Baby, but, um, some of them say that this references King James II's first son with his second wife. Apparently there are rumors that say... They staged the pregnancy and everything because they needed a Catholic male heir. <laughs> like, so where did the baby... I mean, I guess right, there was an eventual baby. Where did that come from? They, it, it's a baby that wasn't theirs. Like, they got... The, they took the they, baby they from somebody. Baby well, I don't know if they stole it or if they bought, bought it, it from... You know, they yeah. probably bought it. But, um... And then, you know, where it's like, um... And the bow breaks, the cradle will fall... That's got something to do with kids on the other side tried to tell people that's not their fucking baby, but it's like it's a whole fucking thing. It's oh, fucking shit. weird. Georgie Porgy. <laughs> Y'all remember Georgie Porgy? Pudding and pie. Georgie Porgy pudding and pie kissed the girls and made them cry. When the boys come out to play, Georgie Porgy ran away. Apparently, this is George. I don't think I'm done with that. IV, what's that, fourth? George the fourth, yeah. yeah. George the fourth of England. Apparently, he was just a big old fucking hoe. He cheated <laughs> on his wife. He had a whole bunch of illegitimate kids. So, and he was fat as fuck. So, this is about yeah. him, they say. This one, and this is the one that made me think of it anyway. It's the Ring Around the Rosie. I was always right. told that it was about the plague. Yeah, that's what I always heard. So, it's supposed to be um, the Rosies is the rash that you get. Uh -huh. Um... The pocket full of posies, which I've heard two different things. I've heard um, that everybody put flowers in their pocket to keep them from smelling the dead-ass bodies. And I've also heard that the people that were sick, because the rashes make your shit fucking die, 
So it's to keep you from stinking. But either way, the flowers yeah. keep the smell away. Um, because the Black Plague killed fifteen to twenty percent of England. Right. At the end, it goes ashes, ashes. We all fall down because you know they're all dead or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, very depressing. So as I was reading, I actually found a thing where Snopes and y'all know my feelings about. Snipes. <laughs> Fuck fucking Snipes, but I'm gonna put it out there that Snipes has said no, that's not what it's about. And then this. What did I say it's about? I don't remember because I hate Snipes, so I didn't fucking read it. Oh, yeah, it's about stealing money from the website and spending it on prostitutes and getting. Def- oh, wait, no, that's, that's Snopes, my bad. <laughs> oh, that's just actual Snopes. Yeah. Um, I did not read what they say, but if you, I guess, try to fact check this, Snopes says that no, it's not about plague, it's about some other bullshit. Fuck Snipes. Again. Uh, that's all I got. Fair enough. Yeah. So. Also, and I was thinking about this earlier, so I don't have any research on it, but um, there are a lot of things that were fucked up that we saw when we were kids. There were a lot of fucked up things even after that, though. Do you remember fucking Lazy Town? Does anybody here know what the fuck yeah. Lazy Town is? I know what it is. I never watched it, but because I was It's older. just fucked up if you think about it. Uh, it's awesome. No, it's fucked up. Why? Um, because it was just fucking super weird. It was like there was only two... Actual humans in the whole show, right? And it was like this little pink-haired girl. No, there's three, because Robbie Rotten. But um, they were like gymnasts or whatever, and then they lived with all these puppets. And then there was like one other guy named Robbie Rotten that was always trying to fuck shit. It was just weird. It just I just thought about Lazy Town today, and I was like, Lazy Town is fucking weird. <laughs> Lazy Town was weird as fuck. But it's over now because the guy that played Robbie Rotten, he died. So there is no more lazy town. It originated originally. I want to say it's either it's like Sweden or Iceland, Norway. I want to say yeah, it's Sweden. Some country right there. But the guy that stars in it, who plays the main guy in Lazy Town, he's all like exercise and wants you to do good and do this and do that. He was a an Olympic gymnast. Like, cause I mean, you could tell like he was in really good shape and he wanted kids to stay in shape. And so he did Lazy Town as like a fun thing to to make you want to get in well, shape. So it was and like then kids brought boot camp. Kind of, but he, it's not like he's like, work all the time. He's just like, instead of, the kids oh, will have the, like some shit where they're eating the puppets in ice the cream all the time. or doing not do right. Yeah. So him and, and Robbie Rotten's always trying to feed them. Yeah, yeah, and Robbie Rotten comes in trying to give him Twinkies and shit. Like, I mean, it just, Lazy Town is fucking weird. It's Lazy funny. Town's fucking Lazy weird. Lazy Town was fun. <laughs> that was a good show. Um, but I mean, that's all I got. Thanks. Uh, Ryan, do you want to go? Or I can go want? next. Yeah, I'm okay. doing, uh. Miss Georgia Tan. This bitch stole a lot of children. And by a lot, somewhere in the neighborhood of five to six thousand. A lot. That's a lot of fucking babies. Yeah, like, they, they yeah, can't even... She, was so, she was so good at hiding. Afterwards, they, like a lot of the people didn't know... They were adopted until years, years later. They knew they were adopted and couldn't find their parents because she was so good at faking the shit. Okay, so she was born uh, 1891. Yeah, I got it right. I got the numbers right. And she died in 1950. Now, she was, so she's 60-ish, almost years old. She did this for a solid 30 years before they investigated her. And she died of cancer six months before, like not even six months, it was less than that, maybe two or three months before the investigation concluded. So she got away with all this, and when I but got away is she died like when she was not even six years old of some fucked up shit. Oh, wow. So she, she grew up, she was really smart, her dad was a lawyer. She also 
wanted to be a lawyer, and he was like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. I want you to be a pianist. And she was a, she liked play, like she was good at it and kind of liked playing, but not in a concert setting. She didn't like doing it on command. She liked like just to play music on her own. So she secretly went to uh, Martha Washington College and uh, passed her state bar exam in Mississippi, but he was still like, no, nah, I won't support you, so she went into social work. Now, in Mississippi, she got in trouble for questionable child-placing methods. She liked to take poor kids from their families and give them to richer people, and by give, charge them a lot of money and keep the money. Because she was super, she was super, like, she did a lot of adoptions, and you could say, maybe it's good, because, like, even some of the things she did, like, the year before, in the 1920s, when she first started, about five children were placed per year in uh, Boston, she, that's a little bit farther north, she actually went from Mississippi to uh, Tennessee, but farther, you know, farther north, like, it was looked down upon, so five, maybe ten a year, in 1928, when she first started, she had 206 children placed with adoptive families because they it was like less of a stigma because she would find richer, famous people out of state. She could charge them more because of the laws surrounding it. And it was destigmatized, like Joan Crawford adopted from her and like just a whole bunch of famous people apparently adopted from her. Uh, some who didn't know about it till later, but Ric Flair was adopted. Uh... Let me, let me make sure, let me find the place. Yep, Mem no, Memphis, Tennessee is where he was born. They think his birth name was Fred Phillips. But he was uh, in one of their schemes where they would take babies as soon as they're born from the hospital, tell you they died, give you a fake death certificate, and they would make a new birth certificate, and then she would sell the baby out of state because oh, wow. in-state in-state adoptions were like eight or nine dollars, and they were subsidized a little bit by the state to help run the institutions themselves. She would charge seven hundred and fifty dollars to out-of-state people, and this is in she she died in like nineteen fifty, nineteen fifty something. He was born in forty nine, so this was right near the end. This is where she was charging eight hundred dollars in nineteen forty eight. So this has got to be twenty fifteen twenty thousand dollars, like an adoption now, and she's doing. Hundreds a year. His name is Ric Flair. Everybody knows who Ric Flair is, but his actual real name is Flair. F-L-A-E-I-H-R. So Ric Flair's name is actually Richard Flair, which is goofy as shit. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know yeah, that. His, Woo, Woo's real name is Rich <laughs> Flair. I did not know that. It's crazy as shit. So, like, yeah, his dad's a... Uh, you're not giving me anything. Dead air. My bad. We can yeah. cut out some of this shit. Anyways, some he was some sort of doctor. I, I can't find out what kind he was. But uh, that was later on in her career. She started, like I said, in uh, the little place in Mississippi. Was doing this money for adoption thing and opened up her own place in uh, Memphis, Tennessee with one of the ladies that she worked with at the uh, original uh Adoption, I guess, place. The, the new place is called the Mississippi Children's Home Society. Now, in 22, when she moved there, or no, sorry, 24, when she moved there, she basically took it over. She moved in and started bringing her own people in and moving up until she almost took over the 
the whole organization and then started trafficking children that year. Oh, uh, and like I said, she charged with $7 or so there, but then she would do 80% of the adoptions of premium kind out of state. So North New York, California, places like that. So that's where she was making most of the money. So four out of 5,000 children were placed out of state with no way to figure out where they came from. And uh, she had a couple of people working for her that every two or three weeks they would go make trips and bring five, six kids back. And not only would they do the... So, the, they wait, wait, you, wait. They were just bringing kids back. Were they stealing them? Or they a just... lot of times, yeah, after, after she couldn't get them legally in the state by, like like I said, she'd go to the hospital and tell you the kids died. Or mm-hmm. she'd find uh, new pregnant moms that were in the hospital and work out deals with them where she found out they were on drugs or they didn't have money and offer, like, less money and then do the... She'd get $750, but she's offering them way, way less, saying, you know, you might be able to see them later and this and that, and it, none of that ever pans out. Uh-huh. She, like I said, hides the names. Uh, she had a secret bank account under a false corporation name and all kinds of shit. Uh, and uh, she pocketed somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 90% of all these fees. So, you know, it's $750 for every adoption, all keeping herself. And that's lot of fucking money. I know you didn't do it. I wish you had the um, inflation rate or whatever. Oh, the conversion. Yeah, what yeah. would what would that be now? Hold on, I, I'm, I'll, I'll look up. dollars. I look up nineteen thirty. That's about right in the middle. Yeah, twenty four is when she started, and fifty is we'll say nineteen forty is roughly fifteen grand today. Oh shit! I Her feel adoption. Like, I feel like adoptions are a lot more expensive than that. Now, I mean, I don't know. But for, I've never tried to adopt, but I, you hear it all the time. That's, Nobody that's adopts because I can't fucking just afford Just the it. adoption fee. Apparently, she also did other things. Bad enough, you know, stealing babies and doing this and that. She would uh, charge for background checks and paperwork and stuff like this. She never did any of it. Yeah. So I, I need you to pay $750 plus my hotel when I come there. Plus yeah. the baby has to be flown here. And the baby's stolen from Ugh. three feet away from a hospital. Oh, She's God. charging probably really, really now fuck. probably $30,000. I'm sure it costs these people $1,500 bucks yeah. at the time. And like I said, her, her a lot of her biggest customers, Joan Crawford is another one of her customers. She got twin babies from her. All, like all kinds of famous people just... She happened to happen to do it and it helped adoptions, but she fucked over a lot of kids for this to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's thousands and thousands. Oh man. Yeah. And a, a, a lot of the black market adoptions, like the ones that were le- like technically not illegal, were still frowned upon, but she just stole so many kids. And people like a lot of the kids in the home, all the people that worked there dressed up as nurses, like white uniform and this and that. They yeah. were not nurses. She would hire anybody off the street. Yeah. And so like hard to place babies where they cried too much or this or that they'd either they, a lot of times starve to death or not give the right kind oh, of uh, medicine to them they they have a minimum of roughly I think they said 25 to 50 babies died in her care they think it's hundreds maybe up to eight nine hundred kids but they don't know exactly how many because she faked all these <clears throat> damn the backgrounds of everybody they don't know how many kids there were it's crazy so, like, when kids died, did they just, like, throw them in the dumpster? I mean, to... Yeah, it says they found 19 of them buried 19. on the property after they shut it down and she died. So that's all they can 
they can say oh, they wow. know that died, but they really think it's in the hundreds. I it's mean, it crazy. would almost have to be just because of back then, mm-hmm. six thousand babies. How many they're not? They died all yeah. the time back then, right? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. you know they're so. going to cover up so much of it yeah. exactly. And she's already trying to get sick babies in the first place. She's like targeting That's people awful. that are already vulnerable. Yeah, yeah it's bad. But uh, it looks like uh, in 1996 they passed something called the Tennessee Public Public Acts that revised the process to let you find your adoption records uh, as long as one of the birth parents says it's okay when they sign you over. So like they had a whole thing because of this. Like it's crazy. Oh, I love the cases that end up changing law down the line. Yeah. And this one they did on like Unsolved Mysteries or some shit, didn't they? Somebody found I was just yeah at the end, at the little article they were talking about Unsolved Mysteries that uh she was on there and someone found like their brother or sister after seeing themselves on Unsolved Mysteries. Oh wow! There we go. Yeah, eighty nine. Someone was watching Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, Alma Sipple and her daughter Irma had been taken by Georgia Tan in forty six. And on uh, Unsolved Mysteries, uh, the woman recognized, I guess, the person who she had got the child from, and they found her. Her name is Sandra Kimbrell, and they reunited uh, by phone in 1990. Yeah. So less than a year later, so and it actually worked. And I know we've talked about this before. I say it a bunch, but uh, every time we talk about Unsolved Mysteries, you know, you can watch them all on... Pluto. Pluto has yeah, its 24 yeah. hour channel. But yeah. they've updated. So if it's been solved, now at the end, it oh, yeah, comes the ding, up ding, and ding, tells ding. you. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. There's a so, lot of like, been you can updated. watch the episode from 1989 or whatever, but if it was solved in 2004, it comes up and tells you in 2004, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, oh, like they cool updated all of them. I love it. There's a whole channel where it's just 24 hours fucking unsolved mysteries, back to back. Like, I feel like I need this. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> it's free. It's Pluto. I have Pluto. Everybody does. Everybody does, apparently, because it's free. <laughs> there you go. So, for Pluto, Pluto Mafia, Pluto Mafia, involves 
young boys wearing gloves that are filled with dozens of bullet ants. So in terms of the ritual, the ritual, um, the ants are first immersed in a natural herbal sedative, which knocks them unconscious. And then they're gathered the in... The ants are unconscious? Yeah, the okay, ants are... Okay, and then they put them Yeah, yeah, yeah. They knock the ants unconscious, and then they put them into gloves, which are made from leaves that are kind of formed into the shape of an oven mitt. Um, they coat the boys' arms in charcoal. And apparently that tricks the ants to not going beyond that point once they wake up. So if they cut the arm, they won't, you know. Oh, they won't keep traveling up. up. They won't, okay. Yeah, come up into their face and things like that. So after all that, um, when the ants begin to wake up, that's when the boys put their hands into the gloves. And they have to endure the pain, which is often described as being as painful as an actual gunshot wound for five minutes. If they don't handle the pain, they fail the initiation. And then what happens? They have to do it again. Oh, you just keep doing it again. Again, (laughs) again, 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 yeah. So the ant venom may cause severe pain, seizures, hallucinations, temporary paralysis, um, all of that which can last several days. And the boys usually undergo this challenge about 20 times before they are considered fit to be warriors. There have been no reported deaths from bullet ant stings, though, and this ritual is still practiced today. So, apparently it hurts and it's awful, but nobody's ever died from it, even if they do it, like, 20 times. Wow. But, yeah, this is still done today, and I can't even think about it. Seems terrible. Terry <laughs> Blue. There is actually a, 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 um, a chart of... Pain, like from uh, from insect stings, and this actually falls off of that chart. Is it is it more painful than a platypus sting? Because I've always heard platypus. I've always heard that duckbill platypus was the worst pain. Well, this is only like insect stings, but they're like shit. I mean, if a bee is a two, this is like. Two million. <laughs> the I need somebody to compare the duckbill platypus and the bullet ant. I have no idea, but I always wanted to believe that the duckbill platypus was a nice creature. No, well, I mean they might be nice, except for until you piss them off. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah the, if you're an asshole, maybe the, I'll fuck your ass hard. up, son. I've always heard that was the the worst. Oh, uh, I'd never ever heard that. So that's what. Okay, so yeah, number two. <laughs> I'm the only one in this room that's heard that the duck the, the I knew they had stingers, but no, they were the worst. I no, it's supposed that. to be the fucking worst. Hold on. Okay. Or the tarantula hawk wasp was the worst. The the tarantula hawk wasp is on the registry of the insect states, but this is not an insect, so this is something completely outside the 
realm of what we're even talking yeah. about. <laughs> Do we want to go on with my number two? Or? Yeah, keep going. I am oh, in the background. Um, all right. Googling some shit. All right. My number two uh, is the Okrika tribe of Nigeria and the Uriya ceremony. So... The Okrika has a population of about 220,000 in the river state in the south of Nigeria. And this is mostly like a fishing area, but they also have palm oil and cassava and plantains and yams and such. But the ritual, the Aria Festival, is an annual ceremony of womanhood that dates back to the 16th century. So, girls between 14 and 16, which is the right age for marriage in their culture, are presented bare-breasted before a crowd at the Marcus Square. Then they're 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 taken to fattening rooms where they are held for six months. And they're just fed rich and fattening foods. And they learn traditional songs and dances from the elders in the village. Um, at that time, only women are allowed to be in those rooms. Hold on. Are they going to eat them? Is this like, hold oh, on. This is okay. crazy. So, they take you and they put you in a room and they go, man, your boobs are kind of nice. We're going to feed you all this food to make them way nice. Yeah, they want to make you plump. <laughs> yeah. So they, they and they're like, you. so like Twinkies. Twinkie sandwiches, here you go, sir, yeah. or ma'am, you know, whatever. Here you go, ma'am, Twinkie sandwiches. And then that's just what they do for six whole months? Yes. So, so where do I sign up? Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> they hang out in those rooms and they eat all the rich food and stuff for uh, six months. And the purpose is to make the girls plump. Because then you're, you know, fat chicks got big boobs. And, Everybody knows and that. And ready for marriage. But, um... The Okrika believe the girls have an attachment to the water spirits. And that attachment must be broken in order for the girls to get married and have children. So while the girls are in the fattening rooms, they have to go to the river several times. And they have to sing the songs to the water spirits. Like, signal their goodbyes. Like, can't be with you. You know. We're, we're saying goodbye to the water spirits. So, on the last day of the ritual, all the girls come together at the river and they sing the songs, you know, to say goodbye to the water spirits. And then the uh, scholar, which is the, sing- the senior male member of the village, will whack- say the old dude. Yeah, the old dude of the village. Will whack them each with a stick. On the boobs? It doesn't say where. I'm assuming the boobs, though. Maybe on the boobs or butter. Yeah. And that is to ensure their future safety and fertility. And then they party. So all of the members of the community come out. They greet the girls. They have music and dance. So it's a tea party. It's a tea. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're not bare-breasted at the end. But that's what they're celebrating, They're celebrating their titties, I guess. Oh, Record like this one's tits were this big at the beginning, and then we did this for six months, and now our tits are this big. I doubt it. Yeah. Well, how do they know if it worked? Well, I don't know. If well, now there is definitely a record because <laughs> how would they know when you know they keep track? Well, I, we know they do. I don't. I don't know if they're 
there's an ultimate. And yeah, like, can you fail? What if your tits don't get big enough? Which are, which are then you just smaller. don't. Then what you just don't get a husband. I guess. I guess. I guess you don't get a husband. And then you're shamed just forever because your boobs are too small. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> All right, keep going. I'm sorry. I hope not. And now my heart hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I kind of thought this was kind of cute, except for the having to like, bury your boobs at the beginning. But I mean, if you have to show them at the beginning, and then there's a whole thing at the end, I'm pretty sure, like, how big they grow is, like, a part of that. Like, y'all remember this one? Y'all remember Itty Bitty Titty fucking whatever the hell? <laughs> Check her out now, except for she's still Itty Bitty Titty, so. But she's she still not on the husband. I mean, but that, she could have found a husband before, and now they just locked her up and fed her twinkies for six months for no reason. Well, apparently, man, plump makes she makes everybody happy. So, well, <laughs> score one for the fat chicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about being plump. It's not just about your titties. So it's like oh, well, you might have seemed like it was all about the titties. Well, I, I, I've, I've, I'm very sorry. <laughs> they want you plump and ready for marriage. <laughs> Adjusted for inflation. <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. Inflation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the, what's the last All right. one? All right. My last. One. And this is the one that I think y'all are gonna like the most. So this is the Ogiek tribe of Kenya and the Ogiek Roar. So this tribe has a population of around 50,000, which is in <coughs> southern and western Kenya, as well as in parts of Tanzania. Um, the name means caretaker of all plants and wild animals, and this is one of Kenya's last hunter-gatherer communities. So, the ritual. The ritual targets boys and girls age 14 16, but the boys and girls are initiated separately. The initiates are sent into the wilderness to live separately from the tribe for several months. Um, they're told to cover themselves in white clay to resemble wild animals. And then they're told that they have to hunt for a wild beast that will make a fearsome roar. So when they go into the wilderness, they hear the roar. That, you know, every night the children will hear this fearsome roar of this mysterious beast, which is actually made by a special horn played by the village elders <laughs> that they play every fucking night. So, <laughs> when the children come back, the children who have exhibited bravery and, you know, not run away and have, you know, held on during this, um, they, get, they get shown the horn, they get to play it, and then they carry on the tradition for the next generation. That is a fucking adorable. It's the most amazing thing ever, is it not? That is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I thought y'all would love that. This is kept up 
you know, for generations and generations. I love generations. that. That is fucking like, amazing. I mean, this is still done today, and that's amazing. That is. And, uh, yeah, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, they will love this one. It's so cute and it's so awesome. I love that is cute as fuck. <laughs> so, yeah. Why is the fuck up your kids? Except yeah. for that last one was a good way to fuck up your kids. <laughs> Teach them the art of the prank, son. The art of the prank. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that could be the name of the episode. The art of the prank. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's promo time. This week we've got Ye Old Crime Podcast. Kelly, what do you think about him? We love Ye Old Crime <laughs> Podcasts. Uh, I'm a fucking huge fan of old ass crimes, and they do it better than anybody, <laughs> so. Old ass crimes. Old ass crimes. So here we go. <laughs> Ye Old Crime. Do you love true crime, but are looking for something different? It sounds like a sitcom. It does. The Benders. The kind of assholes you should probably leave them alone. Do you like learning about cases so off the wall they can't possibly be true? Her wig is enormous, but it is lifted off her head by a monkey. Do you love history, but want to hear about what they didn't teach you in school? It's just got a almost where you hang your horns sign. <laughs> Do you like laughing awkwardly about cases that are bizarre and a little strange? They'd be able to wield so many knives with all of their little arms. <laughs> then we have the podcast for you. Join me, Lindsay. And me, Madison, for Ye Old Crime. Where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. Listen every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. Next episode we are recording will be our 50th episode. Um, and our two-year podversary. And our two-year podversary. I would like to point out, though, that if you look at shit, it's going to look like it's our 51st episode. And it's because I, like a dumbass, uploaded our promo, which now apparently counts as an episode. That does not fucking count. So, minus one from your episode count. Upcoming will be 50 and our two-year uh, hopefully we've got Doom Generation and Geek Graffiti joining us. If not, we'll just post the link and everybody can join. I don't give a shit, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about creepy pastas, fucking Slenderman, Backrooms, Momo, whatever the hell. Kelly bought a whole book. I did. Newsflash, there's a book about creepy pastas. There are so many books about I didn't creepy fucking pastas. know this. I thought this was like secret internet knowledge no, that you had to find on your that. own. It kind of takes the magic out of it for me. Like, the fuck? You can just go to the library and rent a book on creepy pastas? <laughs> the library rent a book. What, you know, <laughs> what do you call it? Like, you go to the library and you... You check out a book? Checking out a book is the same as renting a fucking book. No, yes, it is. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, um... Send us your goddamn promos if you haven't done so already. I was telling Kelly earlier, it's super weird. We asked y'all for promos. About 10 of y'all sent promos, except for every single one of y'all start with the letter C, and that's super fucking weird to me. <laughs> where, where are all the other fucking letter podcasts? Promos. All we have is... 
<laughs> I mean, it don't make no sense. It looks like I'm being anal because I, I put y'all on a list in the order that I get them, and it looks like I'm splitting y'all up by alphabet, and I'm not. And there's like 12 that start with a C. And somebody that begins with a T said Kara A. <laughs> Just anybody else. Said Kara A. <laughs> Hey, probably. Send us a goddamn promo. Um, head on over to www.drunktheory.com and leave us a voice message. Or send your recording to drunktheorypodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us you love us or you hate us. Or, or you hate us or, you know. You can shout out your fucking mom. I don't care. If you leave us a message, we are fucking playing it, regardless of what it says. Unless it's going to get us fucking... You know, copyright struck or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. But uh, we ain't fucking censoring shit. Y'all just send them all over. All right, you heard it. <laughs> we're playing it all. <laughs> we're, we're playing it all, guys. <laughs> Here's your chance. <laughs> you you want to cuss out your boss? <laughs> yeah, cuss that motherfucker. He probably sucks. I'm on your side. I'll play it. Hell yeah. Um, other than that, what we got? We got nothing. We got nothing. We love y'all. Um, love y'all so much. <laughs> <laughs> drink. <laughs> if you're playing the oh, drink. Yeah, if you're playing the drunk theory drinking game, that's your <laughs> fucking time to drink. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> bye. Bye, bye. Love y'all. Love y'all. <laughs>